Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I am uh, just blown away by the conversation that I got to have with the lead pastor of Southbrook Church, Charlie McMahon. Uh, Charlie and I were recording this and I thought he had been following me around as he looked at my parenting style, my coaching style, and what it means to be a parent of a student athlete. See, what I didn't know about Charlie that I know now is that for the last eight years, he's been studying kids' anxiety in sports. And it's born out of his own struggles, challenges with his son, Austin, which he opens up about in this conversation. We also talk about what it means to be a parent and a child in the room together and how parents inherently turn up the temperature in the room. So that means that we have to figure out a way to consistently turn that temperature back down. And how as parents, we typically go in in two ways when it comes to the way our parents parented us. We either compensate or we compromise. We either compromise or we compensate. It's an incredible conversation. I know you're going to love it. Um, As always, we would love to hear your feedback. So you can follow along on any of the social media channels, Facebook at the Reclamation Podcast with Tony Miltenberger, Instagram at TWMILT, TWMILT. Or as always, you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or sign up for our mailer at uh, www.twmilt.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation about anxiety and all the ones that we've been having in this series, I want to invite you to check out the sermons over at restorationcenterville.org. We've been preaching about it and the dialogue has been incredible. So if you've enjoyed the conversation, if you've enjoyed listening and learning and growing with us, we would love it if you would just share this episode, share the information, and let's get the word out so maybe we can all be better together. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Charlie McMahon. I'm here today with a very special guest, Charlie McMahon from Southbrook Church. Charlie, how the heck are you, man? I'm good, Tony. It's good to be here with you. Thank you. It's good you. to be talking about this. It's it's a uh... It's it's an emotional pandemic, you know, in our in our culture right now. What we're going to talk about? Yeah. So um, let's jump right in with your story because you you kind of have a unique perspective as mm-hmm. both a leader of um, a large movement and then also as a father and a coach and a former athlete. Mm-hmm. So when you think about kids in sports as it relates to your family, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah. So unintended pressure, mm. which there's intended pressure and then there's unintended pressure. I had an intended pressure about my parenting style. Like I wanted to raise my kids to be tough and tender and I leaned more into the tough side of that matrix and Sherry, my wife, leaned into one of the tender. And so there was an intended, I want to put my kids in a context where they get inner, inner toughness. But the unintended pressure, that's actually not bad, but the unintended pressure that was... A multiplier of that for them as pastor's kids, as um, my kids, <laughs> uh, was damaging. So I was, you know, I was a successful college athlete. I was a basketball player. My son, unfortunately, chose basketball. You say, unfortunately. I, yeah. I think most dads would most be like, dad what? Would say, what? But you know, my dad was a collegiate football player at Texas Tech. He did not like basketball. I chose basketball, and it was one of the best, excuse me, best things that ever happened to me because it was my sport. Wow. I owned it. So I teach a lot about the ownership pie 
however much is apparent of that pie you own, they don't. Mm. And anything over about a quarter of that pie being yours is resentment. The more that pie is not theirs, the more resentment builds. Well, when you have the same sport as your dad, there's a sense in which the dad has ownership of the pie, even though I didn't realize it. And so I was a coach. I coached him, which I wouldn't do again. When did you start out coaching him? Third grade in, in the in the uh, Centerville Hustle program. It was a great, great program. It was a great program. Both my kids and I And I enjoyed it. Yeah. There were things I would do differently, um, but I enjoyed it. He, he would tell you he liked coach, me coaching him. But he, he, when he got into high school, uh, the coaches knew me. Some of them didn't like me. Some of them, two of them were best, my best friends. And, and both of those realities were bad. It ended up destroying him. So, to, you know? I mean, what, is that, what does that look like, practically speaking? Because I, I think that there are a lot of parents who could be listening right now who could be watching their kids implode right in front of their yeah. eyes and they wouldn't even know it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. There, because it's like a tree in the center of the town square that on the outside, man, everybody loves that maple tree. It looks so beautiful. But on the inside, that tree is rotting. Hmm. And one day a storm strikes and the tree falls over and we go, oh my gosh, we didn't know it was rotted from the inside of it. It was for a long time, but nobody knew it. And that's what's happening to students is they're decaying on the inside emotionally. And that was certainly happening with Austin and with Jordan, our daughter. So Austin, I was an All-American basketball player. Austin was more talented than, than I was. Wow. He was gifted. He, I mean, as a freshman, he's dunking the basketball. Wow. He was a shooter. Some of the best ball handling skills that any of the coaches, including myself, have ever seen. So he had width. He had everything. And, and the expectations that came with that because he was my son in this area. I mean, obviously not beyond right. our region. Yeah, sure. But the people who knew me in this area uh, were unintended pressures, right? And then, frankly, and I say this, some of the coaches were some of my best friends. They didn't handle it well. Hmm. There, as I look back, one of the coaches that, that didn't really, he just never really cared for me. He, I want to be careful because this word gets thrown around. The word abuse gets thrown around. But it was, there were things done to Austin that had I known, I would have lost my religion. Yeah. I would have. Well, almost like hazing? Yeah, and there's definitely bullying because here he's a freshman, he's on varsity, and of kids course. above him, they yeah. see the job, all the stuff that comes with being a younger player on a, a team, especially so, a young, younger, gifted yeah, yeah, player. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's an it was an interesting thing. So you had it. He was he was a Springboro, and and I remember one of my friends who, who with whom I coached in AAU. He said, "Charlie, do you realize? Because half the crowd at a Springboro game would be Southbrook people. Hmm. Some of them." had sons that my son was playing ahead of. Wow. And if, all you need to do is hear this story to know the pressure that was on Austin. And one time my friend said to me, he goes, do you realize there are people who cheer for you on Sunday and cheer against your son on Friday? Woo! How, when, and that was when it was How like, do you wrestle with that as oh, a dad? That was when it was like, holy cow, <laughs> holy cow. And he fell into depression, which then led to drug abuse. 
Uh, by 2009, on a depression scale, he was 9 out of 10. The only thing he hadn't done was take his life. Wow. And it, it directly goes back to sports. And our daughter was a world-class dancer. She competed internationally, and that led to that led that the internal pressure led to body image issues, which is really a susceptibility with dancers. Mm. Um, and so, you know, our our kids got the double dose of my wife and I. Our genes. We have very high addiction personalities in our family. Yeah, and we're very driven people on the inside. By nature, you know, without Christ, I would be off the charts driving people crazy. I think with Christ, I still drive people crazy. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> um, they inherited a double dose of those genes. Very, They're very internally motivated. But um, boom, boom, boom. it just, it just it, the, you can only wind up so fast, so hard, so long. And both of them had crashes. Both of them were in situations where I, I would categorize it professionally as they got abused. And uh, one of the great res- regrets of my life is that I, I didn't see that inward erosion happening. And frankly, Tony, I didn't, I didn't protect them. So this is, as I told you, this is what we're dealing with is how to not be a helicopter or the phrase today, a lawnmower parent who's just always right mowing the obstacles out of the way. But on the other hand, what makes parenting difficult is you do have to know what's going on. Yeah, how, you how have do you to live know in when that to tension? intervene, when your child can't yeah. represent themselves in front of that teacher and that coach. I have a, a regret that's so deep as one time, so I remember it. Austin came home one night, and he was so forlorn and discouraged from basketball practice. And, um, and he was distraught. And so-and-so coach said this to him. And I remember saying, well, he probably had a good reason to say that. And Austin told me years later, that's when I knew I'm on my own. I'm drowning, and no one's going to help me. Wow. So he had an all-conference player that did not even play basketball his senior year. Now, what's un- here's what's the thing about that. It's not unusual. Which is the uh, the scary part? It is. It's yeah. the, the terrifying part yeah. as a as it a is. parent of three kids who are all very right. active and yeah. are, are playing sports. Yeah. How, how do we, in hindsight, how, how do you counsel parents now who are in my stage of life where – some of their kids have athletic abilities. Some of them are, you know, we don't know what they're going to be yet. And, right, right. and you want to nurture it, but you also don't want to overvalue it. Like, That's right. That's exactly right. It's a fine balance. If it were easy, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. We wouldn't be, ha- we wouldn't be launching the Players Box Ministry yeah. uh, initiative, and we'll get into. Uh, we wouldn't be. It's not easy. And, I, and I, I'm in a series like you right now about this where we're, we're literally having people in our building turn to each other, turn to the person say, next to you and say, I'm not going to get this right. And because you're not. And you won't, you'll, you won't make your parents' mistakes because you're darn sure you're not going to make their mistakes. You know Amen. what you'll do? You'll make your own. Yeah. <laughs> and, and typically they will be um, reactionary mistakes. Right? The pendulum will just swing It'll to the other swing side. swing the other way, yeah. which is exactly what I did. And... Um, in retrospect, was very unwise. But how do we, one of the first things is the self-awareness a parent has to have in, say, let's say Centerville. I live in Centerville. You live in Centerville. 
you, you have to know that as a probably as a resident of Centerville, you're a high-functioning adult. When you walk into the room, you turn the temperature up in the room for your child. With, whether you say anything, get your feet off the couch, whether you say pick up the remote, whether you say clean up the plate, I mean, whether you say, hey, go out and shoot 100 shots, it doesn't, you don't have to say anything. As a high-functioning adult, there is a shadow you cast of your self-sufficiency. They don't know whether they're going to have what it takes to be you. Mm. So, you know, this is called the famous father syndrome, right? Right. This is, that's all this is. Well, you turn the temperature up in the room when you walk in it. And you have to start there with that. So from that standpoint, I, would, I do, I highly recommend to parents that you be aware that a lot of your job is to turn the temperature down. What can you do to be a pressure lowerer, not an pressure intensifier? Okay, so you have to be aware of de-escalating pressure. How do you do that for, for me is you, you don't talk about the game on the way home. Now, I love Mike Matheny. You know, you're a baseball guy. Yeah. I'm a baseball guy. Mike Matheny's mantra cannot be improved upon. There are only three things you say to your child before the game, and only three questions you ask. Have you heard these? You know, so the three things you say uh, before the game is have fun, I love you, play hard. Hmm. And and after the game, you go, did you have fun? Did you play hard? Do you know I love you? You know, that's all you, did <laughs> right. you, that's that, all you do. Don't overcomplicate it. it. You don't. Because you ask kids what they dread – it's the ride home. Wow. That's what kids dread. I mean, literally, I've had kids say to me, I hate the ride home. Because there's this loving analysis that's going on, right? I mean, it's loving. Oh, it's so... It's, it's, but it's still analysis. Have you been in the car with me and Connor? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't... And what you do when you don't talk about it, but you divest... You go say, what, does, the, does banana split at Dairy Queen sound good? You're... Boom. You, what you're saying is, I was here, which means it was important... But what you're saying is you're diverting the pressure off of, honey, it's not that important. Let's go get a banana split. Right. Which most of them, that's all they care about anyway. We're going to La Rosa's or we're going to Marion's tonight. I mean, that's what they care about anyway. They just want the Dairy Queen. They do. They do. And you know what? To this day, Tony, to this day, I, I had a banana split last week. And the taste of a banana split at Dairy Queen brings me back to when my mom and I would leave my Babe Ruth games. We would always stop at the Dairy Queen on East Main and get a banana split. And that's what I remember. Wow. And I was a good baseball player. But that, that's, I, 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 the, the taste of a Dairy Queen banana split takes me back to, that's what I remember. Why, why do we care so much about how our kids did? Or how, why do we care so much about how much playing time they got? Like, I listen, I, this, is, this is me asking mm-hmm. as a, a parent who wants to figure out how to turn it down. Well, first of all, there's love. So there's it's it's a mixture like anything of love and fear. There's the love that you know we want the best for our kids. Right. right? We want right. to we want to open them to explore. Um, parenting is the art of exposing your kids to adventure, launch from a place of security, right? So that's the art is adventure and nurture, is is that balance. So you want that. That's love. 
Where the fear comes in is we fear that if we don't do our job well, our child is going to live in the, end up living in a van down by the river. We all have this fear sure. that we are going to mess our child up so much, right. and they're going to be this unfunctioning human being who cannot sustain a job, etc. And so fear enters into it. Mm. And, and what I say in, during this series is what we tend to do is we either compromise or we compensate. Compromise is, well, you know what? I smoked meat, weed when I was a kid. It didn't really hurt me. I turned out fine. And so we compromise. We don't want to judge our kids on what we did, and so we right. get laissez-faire and all that. But the, but mo- what most of us do is we compensate. So here's, here's the deal. Here's what happened with me. My dad was a professional engineer who was gone 20 to 25 days a month. Uh, my my I'm, I was an All-American basketball player, and he came to two games a year. Wow. And so for my young adult years, I thought, man, my dad was not involved at all. My parents didn't know what I was doing most of the time when I was playing as a kid. I mean, I was either at the Hanover pool or I was at the Presbyterian church playing baseball or, I, you know, I was down at the creek, Rocky Fork Creek. I mean, they didn't know. Kids, parents weren't involved then. And I, what am I going to do to compensate? I'm going to be everywhere. I'm going to be involved. Right. And I was involved. I was not going to be the parent who traveled. I intentionally... I think it hurt me professionally. I was not. I'm going to be focused on Centerville. I'm going to be focused on our church. I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to travel. And I didn't. And to some extent, I was a helicopter parent. I look back now, and my dad's non-involvement in my sports life was a blessing. Yeah. It really was. It allowed me to own the pie thoroughly. Would I recommend the parents be a little more involved in going to two of your games a year? Yeah, certainly. But I owned the pie, you know. And but here's the thing: they paid for my fees to camps. They, you know, they were supportive. It wasn't like they weren't supportive. And that's what I would recommend: is is the pie of uh, fees, right? right. That's the part of the pie. You, there, there's a part of that pie you have to own. You know, we're going to pay your fees. You, you want to go to that camp? We're going to allow you to expose. But honestly. It ends up out there. And I had a great high school basketball coach who was a dear friend of mine, Ron Holtry. He told me one time after we talked about Austin, he said, Charlie, our job as parents is to be passive and encouraging observers. And that's Ooh. That's our job. And do you not know of times, I do, where I've gone over that line. Oh, uh, I've become a participant, yeah. not an observer. And you don't have to literally go on the field and to become a participant, you can emotionally become a participant. But when they look up at the stands at you, they see the distraught look on your face that says, if he doesn't hit these free throws, it's going to be a bad ride home. You have entered the game. You have, you have, you have juxtaposed the desire for them to enjoy this against our family's night depends on the outcome of these two free throws. <laughs> right? You know, because you, you are so emotionally involved. And you have to detach yourself from those outcomes. And... I, I quote often from the great philosophical uh, Bill Murray when he when he said in the movie Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It Tony. doesn't. It doesn't. You know what? If, if your boys are good enough to play collegiately, whether you send them to 17 camps this summer, it won't matter. If they, it's if really not, not going to change the bottom not, line. If is they're it? not good enough, if you send them to 17 camps this summer, it won't matter. So let me ask you this. We, we hear from organizations all the time that they need coaches. Mm-hmm. How, how do you live in that tension of that? Because I, I love, I mean, I love yeah. coaching. Yeah. 
I love coaching. Should I, I should, coach? I should edit what I said because I, 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 I think that's that's a good question. You're so you're asking me. Yeah. So you know, you, I said I I wouldn't coach Austin again in the condition I was in when I started coaching him at 34. Sure. I would coach him now at 57 mm. for sure. So so uh, your ability to coach is dependent upon your self-awareness. It, it very much is. Your, your effectiveness, whether you'll, you know, the same heat that makes Tony Miltenberger a success as a pastor, that same heat, if not managed, burns his sons. So Ooh. this heat that you put out on the Sunday that people go, I love Tony's passion. Well, your boys are this close to that same heat. Right. So the same fire that warms the living room is the same fire that can burn people who are too close to it. Mm. So you you just have to be aware. I'm telling you, my friend, you got heat coming off of you. Okay, you do. <laughs> you got heat coming on. You just got to be aware of that. And so at 57, number one, my heat isn't as strong. I I uh, I'm gentler. You know, my my I only I only regret the times in parenting that I wasn't gentle. And so I'm gentler. I don't. I'm able. I'm able to. I've. I've got a better thermostat. You know. I'm able to regulate that. So at 57, I would do that. And if a parent cannot invest their emotion in the outcome and stay detached from that and still be a passive, encouraging observer, coach. I. I would tell you, coach. You know. Yeah. Because I think you're having awareness of things that honestly, I never had a talk like this when I was in your stage of parenting. I never, I, ne- I didn't know aware of it. You know, I was around, I mean, my friends are coaches. I mean, what do you do as football and basketball coaches? Man, it's push. It's, sure. which is my natural state. My, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a maximizer in sure. the strengths finders thing. I mean, I, I push myself to exhaustion because that's the only way I know how. And, well, that's heat. Well, true confession, the whole reason that uh, we're doing this anxiety series called Every- Everything's Fine, and mm-hmm. the reason that we're doing this in the podcast is because um, – because I almost got thrown out of a game last year. Yeah, well, I had, I did get thrown out. Do you remember me tell you that story? I, got, I, I did think get thrown, so. Yeah, I got thrown out of a game. Uh, and I, I just I looked up at my life and I was like, "What is happening? Is this a representation yeah. of what I profess to believe?" Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't. And so here, you know, and and I I love this city. I love the city that we get to call our home. Mm-hmm. But yet, um, I watch and it's 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 scary. It's scary. I mean, you see it. It is. It's I mean, scary. It, it is like I say. It's it's emotional. It's an emotional pandemic. I mean, it's. I think it's viral in the sense that it catches. As I told, we were talking earlier off, can, uh, off microphone, that you there's a vortex with you sports, and if you don't watch, you'll get sucked into that vortex. Oh, it's so easy. And you start amping up the competitive fires, and you, you know, and uh, it it is uh, maybe at the risk of an inappropriate image. It is a tornado effect that does devastation. I mean, we've seen that physically in our city, Greater Dayton, but there is a there is a debris left behind with games, right? Well, and I think that the metaphor plays out because it's going to take us decades to yes. rebuild the city yes. of, of Dayton. You know, you and I have both yeah. been in those, have seen Ground Zero, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I know that it's going to take decades, and I can only imagine. With your son Austin, it has taken at least that long. It took, it did. It took a decade. I mean, he, we came so close to losing him. And today, he, by the way, he's a pastor. He's going for a master of arts in in theology, and 
and he pastored the church, and he, and, he, and he helps kids in wow. recovery. And I mean, it's just an amazing redemption story. I wouldn't do it this way all the time. <laughs> okay, I'm glad it turned out, but this is not the path. There's one right. thing better than the prodigal coming home from the far country. What is it? He never, he never left in the first place. Right. And uh, that, that was his journey, and that had to be his journey. But goodness, Tony, there were many sleepless nights. So t- tell me about the players box because yeah. you, you guys are actively at, at I say you guys Southbrook uh-huh. and the ministry that you're a part of is actively going out and talking to parents and athletes at right. every level about this pandemic. Yeah. Um, what does it look like, and what are you guys seeing in some of your beta tests? Okay, so yeah, so we did the beta testing this year. This is eight years in development. Players box exists to help students who participate in arts, academics, and athletics to enjoy their endeavor. So in essence, what we're doing is we're creating this initiative that builds grit and grace, Mm. toughness and tenderness in kids. We want both. We believe Jesus was the lion and the lamb. And so we want to build that inner toughness and that external or that outer tenderness. And... And so we, we have a program called Play, where we help them assess their personality type. We use the Gary Smalley system of lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever, unbelievably illuminating to kids and parents to find out, hey, ooh, I'm a lion. There are other things that come with that, right? Or I'm a golden retriever. Ooh, things that come with that. The L stands for their learning style. We help them understand, oh, you're a visual learner. There's a reason why the coach telling you things all the time is not locking with you. It's not, it's not connecting because you're a visual learner. Like I was a visual kinesthetic learner. You needed to show me, and then you needed to give me a chance to go work it out on my own. If you stood over me and just corrected me constantly, you have to drop I would the freeze play, up. And then you have oh, to run the play. It, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I had to go off and, and shoot free throws on my own. I had to figure out. I'm self-taught. I had to figure it out on my own because I was visual kinesthetic. So that's learning style. Ability level is in the journey, helping kids assess their purpose. Why are you playing? You might not be a Division One tennis player, but, man, you're going to be a good club player the rest of your life. Is that a good purpose? Oh, yeah. I've literally had conversations with kids where that just like, are you, you mean I'm not a failure if I don't get a scholarship? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Tony, I've literally had where kids, really? Yeah. Do you, you know, the way you play tennis, Amber, is in the upper 3% of all people who play tennis in the world? Yeah. Do you know how good a club player you're going to be? Yeah. For the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> well, can we push that? Yeah. Boom. So, learn, so ability level is the real intimate part of, you know, personality type is about pressure. Uh, learning style is about per practice, how you practice, but, but ability level is about your purpose. Why are you doing this? A lot of kids don't know why they're doing it. Hmm. Why am I playing? My, my parents want me to or whatever. And then why is the big one because it's yes factor and it's the ability to complement themselves is, is what we call it affects positivity. So yes factor is, is their ability to use the neurological wiring that God gave us to create habits that repeat outcomes that they want. And God wired our brains in an amazing way. So such that when we anchor things emotionally that we want, our brain will say, I'll repeat those. The problem is the brain doesn't know the difference between positive and negative messaging. So if you get emotional about a miss, the brain also hears, let's do that again. Mm. And so really teaches kids how powerful emotions are. Could you have benefited from that when you were in high school? Come on. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh. I mean, if, if I had just had that. Well, I, uh, I, mean, I mean, I gave up playing. 
I gave up playing because I, I wasn't big enough. And yeah, yeah. I went and got a job and I learned how to make money and it was fine. That's it's fine. Could, it worked out hustle, well. Hustle right? every sense, right? Yeah. Like it's grind it out, grind it out. Yeah. yeah. So the, it's built around that six, three six week training periods during the school year. In between those are what we call open mind gyms where we gather the students together and that's where we really build the community. It's Tuesday night, 630 to 730 for middle schoolers and eight o'clock to nine o'clock for high schoolers. And what are you doing with the parents during that so time? So the parents period? have a parallel hour, right, on, like literally next door, uh, in the room next door. We're, uh, we, we're, we're speaking the same lesson that their student is learning that night. They're learning it applied to the parent. So wow. they, they, they will have a point of dialogue, right, to talk. And it's not about their, the kid's performance that night. It's about what they each learned. The big aha, the beta testing, was we thought the main thing was for the kids and the parents were there to learn secondarily. The main thing that's getting achieved is the parents and the kids are secondary actually, you know, because it's discipleship, right? Yeah, it's, you, yeah. you don't disciple the parents, you, you know, you can't resurrect what the home's putting to death, right? right. So, you know, so, <laughs> so that's the big aha is, I mean, we have parents now who are coming back and they're going to be a part of the community. This, this is going to be their community, wow. the player's box community. And you said that it took eight years to develop this curriculum. Mm -hmm. how, how does, I mean, is this is this born out of your journey with Austin? So it's born is, out of my journey with Austin. I, and, and born out of, I was a player, I was Jordan. a coach, and I was a, 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 a parent of an athlete. So it came out of that, and in 2011, I developed this curriculum, the PLAY curriculum. And then I began meeting weekly. I, had, I started this at South Regency with a circle of tennis players and basketball players. Uh, two years ago, I moved over to Five Seasons, and I do that on Wednesday nights there. And then, you know, we said, we think this is the future of student ministry in that, you know, we had one of our youth pastors say this, that I've never seen a student ministry like this, that, you know, most church student ministries is, you come to us, we're going to make you worship, and we're going to teach you how to learn the Bible. Whereas Players Boxes, we're going to meet you guys where you are. And they're getting discipled and developed in their leadership, and they don't even realize it. I mean, they, they, you know, it's it's inductive, journeying, processing, development, and so we got we got a Poland trip scheduled for June where we're going to take a you know a dozen of our high school players box, and they're going to coach kids in Poland. Wow. Well, who's learning the most? You know this. Right. It's it's the coaches. It's always it's the, the, it's coach, a, it's right. always the coach or the teacher that's right. learning the most. So they so our immediate turnaround is the high school. Students who want this, they're turning right around and they're leading a table at the middle school event. You know, so we had a couple of students last night at our coaches training, high school students, you know. Now, you and I both know that students are far more open to these sort of ideas than parents. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with uh, the parents that aren't, are just like, uh, I'm not sure about any of that. I don't know if I want that. Yeah. Like, uh. Because cause I think in, in one sense, it's got to feel uh, debilitating to a, a, a student athlete who has bought in to this truth, which is now being presented for the first time. Mm -hmm. And yet they go home and it's and, and the dad or the mom who's still um, owning too much of the pie. Yeah. How, how do we how do we live in that tension well, or, or yeah, what do we how do really we correct point. it? One thing is we teach the parents you have to accept the fact there are two things that you're not objective about, your money and your kids. And if you can begin from that standpoint, we're not objective about those things. We don't, we t we're not objective about our kids. I don't know about you. I, I was 
I, 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 I expected too much. People say, oh, you know, you favor your kids. I was the opposite. I right. was going to be harder on my kids. As a coach, it's either daddy ball or it's abusive. Oh, it's, 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 it right. is. And I went to the other extreme of trying to maximize them. So you start there. One of the things is I do believe this. We talked about this last night in our training. To those who have ears, let them hear. Mm. And I told, I told the coaches in training, I said, listen, my experience on this, and this holds true for the parents, is about one in five kids who come to this are going to get it. Number of them, they kind of don't think they need it, which is usually the boys. The boys don't think they need it, and they need it worse than the girls do. And then, but one in five go, oh my gosh, this is me. I want it, and they go after it, and I mean, they 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 it changes their lives. I do believe that the ratio is higher for the parents. That you're going to get three to four out of five who go, oh, I needed this. And just as Jesus said. The soil is what determines the effectiveness of the seed. That's true in this case. And I do think the seed of, of, of wisdom on this falls on hard soil. And frankly, I don't worry about that very much until God breaks that soil up. And we do tell parents this. Until yeah. God breaks your soil up, this isn't going to benefit you. But don't wait until... I mean, I've got a best friend who buried his son. Yeah. There's one thing, I mean, I've stared in the abyss, the valley of the shadow of death. I have friends who are, have walked in that valley and don't let it get that far. And that usually gets the, that usually stirs the soil up. Yeah. You know, that usually gets yeah. a hold of, because I'm telling you, you don't think it'll happen to you. It can happen to you. And that, and so we address that, you know, we address, we address the ratios. Well, what are, or, and, and for me in the eight years doing this, that's a pretty accurate ratio uh, certain sports lean themselves into parents being very unaware. Golf and tennis parents are the worst. There's they tend to be very unaware. It's because it's so individual, right? Right. There's not. Um, there's not a reflection sitting not, in the stands there's, there's next not, to you. There's not. Yeah. And um, but each each sport has its its problems. Football parents tend to be more um, gruff, tough. You know, aggressive. Uh, aggressive. I, yeah. I think aggressive is the word. And uh, you just address it. And, and we can't, just as Jesus just didn't try to convert people who weren't ready, you know, he didn't. He just, he sowed the seed of the gospel and he said, you know what, some of this is going to fall on soil and it's going to produce a hundred times what was sown. No, I love that. You can only control what you can control. Yeah. I will say this, of the four soils that he shared in Mark 4, the most common soil in Senator Ohio is the thorny soil. So it's not that they're not good people is that the soil of their life and soul is so filled with pressures, possessions, and pursuits, which is the three things he talks about, mm -hmm. that it just clogs everything up, and it goes right back to how you began this podcast, Pride. All that stuff, pressures, possessions, and pursuits that we're all doing, then our kids get wrapped up in those pursuits, and it's real thorny, and so there's no real just flowing fruit that comes from our activities. It's just thorny, you know, it's... It's occupied. It's occupied. It's yeah, occupied there's, no, there's space. no room. There's right. no room for real good, healthy, organic reflection. And yeah, it's really hard to be self-aware when you're busy looking at all your it stuff. Is. It is. You're flying too fast. Yeah, and, and and everything else is so important that you don't have time to take care of you. You don't. And and unfortunately, yeah, you and I both talked to lots of parents and not even parents, just adults, functioning, highly functioning adults who are doing so much other stuff that they have no margin in their life That's right. to look in the mirror. That's exactly right. And you're tired. 
<laughs> right. You know, which amps up emotions. And it's it, perfect. It's a perfect storm. It really is. But what, what an incredible opportunity, though. Because in the midst of that storm, we can begin to rebuild. You know, once yes. once we see it coming, you know, we're yeah. we're better prepared now than we ever have been for the storms of life. I yeah. think. I think so too. I think so too. And and so I think the ministry that the Players Box is doing is incredible. How, how do parents who maybe don't go to Southbrook or do go to Southbrook? Mm-hmm. How do how do parents and players? How do we get this into more people's hands? Playersbox.org. Okay. And you can, you know, we have an administrator. She'll get back with you ASAP. Get you registered. We have a so the so one season from September to May is one season in the and our fee. I, I don't know what it is. You can see that on Playersbox that it covers the whole the whole school year and. Um, that includes the parents that okay. is included in that fee and which we highly recommend is that the parents be a part of it and uh, just contact them and it starts Tuesday so it'd be a good time for them I don't know when the podcast is coming out it drops Monday yeah, okay it so drops it starts, Monday yeah it starts tomorrow uh, but if they miss the first week they can we have video of every session that's professionally done so if you miss a session you can you have access to the video to get the lesson that night. And there are a lot of pastors who listen to this podcast because a lot of my friends mm-hmm. are pastors. If they want to implement this at their church, is that an option yet? It is. It uh, not, it, well, it isn't yet. Like we've talked, yeah. you and I have talked about mm-hmm. the copyright. It's in that process right now of just getting copywritten. And uh, then we're going to, you know, we would love for there to be one at Restoration Church. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not holding on to the cure for no, of cancer. No, <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're going to share that. So we, we think we have something that is has worked with kids, not we hope works. It has worked. It has kids. worked. To those who have ears and want to hear, it it settles in. So, uh, yeah, well, we would love for to me, be a part of it. For me, I would love to see every church in Centerville one year do this. I would Just too. every church. I would and, too. and let's... Because, you know, Epiphany Lutheran's got a, a great student ministry with all the sports that they're doing out there. And they're doing great things for the gospel. And, you know, God's doing a lot of stuff here at Restoration. But yeah. all of these different churches, imagine what would look like if one high school, if our high school, just just started here, could be a, a center of revival of how we approach youth sports. And so. it's so kingdom-like. Right. The subversive, this, the, the, you know, just Jesus said, you know, the soil... The, the leaven you don't see the leavening of you know the dough the yeast the rising but it's in there it's in there and that's where we're you know bringing bringing the kingdom into in this case the context of the pressure of academic artistic and athletic pressures that kids are facing so yeah well i i can't thank you enough oh if people want to listen to your sermon series on this um, yeah, go to southbrook.org, and we're doing a series right now. We're literally third week this week, Road Warriors. Okay. And it's off the idea. You can prepare the road for the child, you know, pave the way, or you can prepare the child for the road. And so we're delving into these issues, and it's really just a shameless four-week preparation for our church to launch Players Box. Well, and, and honestly, Scripture has so much to say about oh, this. huge. I, I mean, spiritual children and physical children sure. are a huge part of the, the kingdom right. work that we're all called All we're doing is we're walking through Hebrews 12. Okay. And how does God parent you? He disciplines you as children. And if he doesn't, you're illegitimate children. And so we're, wa- we're actually using the principles from that to say, this is how we parent. Okay? And, and uh, it's... I would say that it's for us created as much dialogue as any series we've done in a long time. That's we awesome. did it because it's starting school and everything. Yeah, so no, it's, the, I mean, it's the right time. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah right absolutely. Time. So, so uh, last question. I always like to ask people if you could go back 
um, when you started coaching your son, Austin, fourth grade, if you go back and give yourself one piece of advice with the wisdom that you have now, what would it be? Spend more time worrying about what pizza place we're going to go to after the game than worrying about how the game comes out. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so my much pleasure, for taking the time today. And my pleasure. I'm excited to see this message uh, permeate. Me too. Um, and see what we can do to help yeah. with that. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this important conversation that I got to have today with Charlie. Um, uh, some of my takeaways, I don't know what yours are, but some of my takeaways are uh, the three questions that I have to ask my kids on the car ride home. Did you have fun? Did you play hard? And do you know I love you? Did you have fun? Did you play hard? And do you know I love you? For me, I think boiling it down to those three simple yet profound questions will be such a huge part of how I move forward. The other thing is just remembering that I'm not objective about my kids or my money and remembering that I get to be uh, the uh, thermostat to my kids' life as I walk into a room, figuring out ways to turn the heat down. Such an incredible conversation and uh, what a great way to wrap up this series on kids' anxiety in sports. So if you've been with us on this journey, thank you. Thank you for taking the time wherever you listen to podcasts at. Thank you for taking um, and spending the time with us. It has truly been a joy and a pleasure. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can tag us on social media, uh, Reclamation Podcast with Tony Miltenberger on Facebook and uh, at TWMILT at TWMILT on Instagram. Um, love to keep the dialogue going. Stay subscribed because we get, we're going to have new episodes next week. Excited to bring you uh, some conversations with some of my friends about what it means to balance faith and life. The next conversation will be with uh, kind of a spiritual entrepreneur, Brad Acock. He works for the district, um, works for the, the Conference of Columbus at the Methodist Church. He's got a lot of insight to add. So if you are ever owned a business and wondered what it means to follow your call, in faith. Uh, You're going to love this episode with Brad. The best way, as always, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you would share. It means a lot to us. Thank you and look forward to seeing you guys real soon.